Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have Stefan Markovich from British Columbia, where it's much warmer than it is in Ontario. And uh, Stefan, let's start with your uh, academic background first. Sure, yeah. Thanks, Peter, first and foremost, for having me on your podcast. It's nice to chat. It's great to have met your acquaintance, and I look forward to sharing a bit of my story today. At any rate, I have a BA in Religious Studies and an MA in Leadership. From uh, what universities? Uh, from Canadian University College is where my BA in Religious Studies is from, and Trinity Western University is where my MA in Leadership is from. Okay. Yeah. And what did you learn from that college experience? What was your takeaway? Uh, I mean, this might be a bit of a cop-out answer, but um, just how to be a lifelong learner, how to stay curious, and how to read, how to change your mind, uh, you know, how to feel like maybe you thought you knew something and had an answer to something, only to realize that somebody else had done some better thinking but provided some better data, and uh, it meant I had to change my mind on something. So that's probably what I learned most, um, you know, just how to stay engaged, how to keep thinking, how to keep wondering. Okay, so let's now move to your work experience. Yeah. Did that uh, start at university or after university? Um, well, I mean, I've been working since I was a teenager, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I've, I've always been a hard worker in that sense, I guess. I've got a pretty good work ethic. But professionally, um, I have worked as a pastor uh, since the age 22, which was right after my undergraduate degree in religious studies slash theology. And I worked uh, in the States in a couple of rural churches in the state of Michigan for a while and then moved back to Canada and was a church starter, church planter for a few years in North Vancouver and was in parish uh, congregational ministry since, uh, since 2006. So um, yeah, 15 years now I've been a minister, but I, you know, I haven't always fit the mold in the, in the, in that, in that classic sense. I've, always been interested in sort of the ways that church intersects with other areas of life. And so my, my ministry has always found itself quite engaged in the community. Um, and I can get into various examples of that, I'm sure, as the conversation goes on. But yeah, I've, I've loved my time as a minister um, and have enjoyed it, but have always felt at some way and in some form like engaged enough in the community around me that it almost felt bivocational, even though for the majority of that time, I was uh, just working full time for the church, not actually drawing any other kind of revenue or, or, or uh, income from other sources, but engaged in such a way that it almost felt like another job. <laughs> okay, so tell me a little about your congregation, how large and what the mix is. 
well, I don't actually have uh, a congregation that I'm, I'm technically called to. Right now I'm filling in with a couple of congregations, but what I'm doing is I'm working as a church starter, social entrepreneur for the Pacific Mountain region of uh, the United Church of Canada. And uh, I've been called to um, work in the, get a, get a congregation started, but through uh, the ministry, um, which will be a social enterprise cafe, kind of focused on food justice issues and helping people reconnect with themselves, with the land, with one another, with the divine, um, through the vehicle uh, of reflecting on food and, and recognizing that, that the food system is in crisis, um, that we do have to do some work in um, addressing how our food system operates today and in the, in the various inequalities there and in the unsustainability therein in the, in the ways that our food system works all the while kind of recognizing that Christianity and Christian spirituality has actually a lot to say on our food and how we consume and what we consume and uh, being more thoughtful and more engaged and kind of slowing down. So I'm excited to be doing that. Um, it's been slowed down significantly due to COVID um, as I'm sure a lot of different projects like these have, but uh, yeah, we're, we're well underway. So explain a little more detail. This is a social enterprise. Is it Correct. run out of the community of faith facility or is in a separate location? Right. So the goal is to run um, out of a church space. Um, that's, that's definitely one of the, the places of intersection that I find interesting, the way charities and churches and nonprofits are shifting towards kind of understanding that there is a marketplace engagement, that there is a way to generate revenue for the social cause uh, while also addressing it, right? Like classic social enterprise definitions. There is a need, can business and business-like modalities help answer the question while also making what you're doing more sustainable. So it will operate out of a church. Um, we're just in the final stages of... Um, figuring out uh, an effective MOU with a congregation here in the Vancouver region, which is a newly redeveloped site. And uh, it's on a major east-west thoroughfare here in the city and in a quickly, in a rapidly kind of changing neighborhood. Uh, and so we're excited with that opportunity. It's, it's right on uh, the street level and uh, will be uh, a highly visible location. So currently you are selling some products. What products Correct, yeah. are you selling? Yeah, so the way we started it was with a minimum viable product, a kind of classic startup language where, um, you know, I'm a bread baker. And one of the things that we'll be selling at the cafe is, um, you know, it's going to be a micro bakery. And so we're doing naturally leavened, organic, sprouted, um, super simple breads, um, but really tasty. So during COVID, of course, you know, you may have noticed that there was this uh, huge fascination with sourdough, which is another name for naturally leavened bread. But the, the key there is that we're not using commercial yeasts. Um, we're using starter. And, um, and so, yeah, uh, as, as part of kind of assessing the demand for uh, breads like this that are organic with traceable grains, 
you know, and understanding who's making your bread and, and where your grains are coming from and what is the process behind it. I started baking and during COVID uh, started it as a subscription model. So there are subscribers all around the city of Vancouver and in uh, some of the close neighboring um, uh, uh, cities around North Vancouver and Burnaby. And I bake bread for them once a week <laughs> and deliver and get some feedback. But that has started the business. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll take it indoors to the brick and mortar here as soon as we, we get up and running. But uh, for the time being, I, I bake once a week and deliver that bread to my subscribers. Well, hold on now. You're the only cook? Right now, I'm the only chef. You got it, yeah. Well, you, you got to change your name when you do your services. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's right. besides bread, is, are there any other products either now or planned? Yeah. So once the brick and mortar cafe is up and running, we will, we will definitely be serving um, a simple brunch menu. Um, we have a strong commitment to being plant-based um, given sort of the sustainability of how food is being utilized in the world today um, and sort of all of the uh, justice issues involved in the food system. We feel it's the, the least harmful the most sustainable way to engage. And so the menu will be kind of focused around um, toast <laughs> because we're a bakery. And so we'll be serving up uh, kind of yummy brunch menu items in addition to several different kinds of pastry and cookies and muffins that will all be in-house uh, and made. And then we'll, we'll focus on some workshops, paid and unpaid workshops where people can come and learn from us how to make kombucha or bread um, and learn about different things. And so they'll, they'll kind of get exposed to um, some of the issues in the food system while also kind of having a hands-on opportunity to make food again and to reconnect with that process of cooking and being around other people. I really believe that food has this strong power to convene. And that's one of the places where I'm very interested in why I'm choosing uh, to run kind of a dinner church and uh, social enterprise cafe so that's the other part of this. That's stage two of the whole endeavor is to have a worshiping community uh, that emerges and is, uh, you know, tangentially connected to the cafe um, and, and worships around kind of sacred meals. But, um, but yeah, in terms of products, it, it, they'll all be kind of food-related, baked products that we will sell and, and make available to those who frequent the cafe. Will you invite uh, sex workers and homeless people to use Every, some of those products? Everybody will be welcome um, and will be allowed to be a part of what we're doing. So it, it, it's going to be a, a really low barrier um, environment. Well, the reason I ask that is I connected with another organization who invited sex workers and homeless people into the church for counseling as in addition to providing them with coffee and, uh, and uh, croissants. Mm -hmm. So they, they were right. combining so, yeah. the two. Yeah, interestingly, the neighborhood that we're kind of um, looking at right now is, is not traditionally known 
uh, as a neighborhood that, that um, you know, kind of reflects that demographic. But, you know, we are an urban city and it's a transit line and there will be all kinds of people. Um, you know, our, our primary social goal is around educating people on the food justice issues that our society is facing today. So food waste, um, how our food is grown, the sustainability in the ways in which it is produced and grown, and sort of understanding food's journey from seed to plate and how it arrives and how we consume it, how we purchase it, what are the hidden costs. Um, those are the things that we want to address. Um, some of the other social considerations around access to food and food security are a part of the food system um, situation that we find ourselves in, and we will address those, but as part of the sort of bigger picture. So yeah, it's, it's not meant to be a soup kitchen in that sense, and it's not meant to simply provide low-cost food for those who may not have the funds necessary to pay for food or to frequent, uh, um, you know, other food establishments. Uh, although we will have systems in place for that because our whole menu will be by donation. So there will be ways for those who are economically disadvantaged to also come to the cafe and enjoy the things that we're serving. Um, but that's not the premise. The premise is not just to make a um, uh, food cheaper and easier to get in sort of a retail environment, um, but rather to help us all deeply reconnect with food and to understand food's role in society um, and the way in which that plays out in, in, in a really, frankly, f food is ubiquitous, unlike anything else, Peter. Just think about that for a second. Um, almost anything else in life, you can completely disengage with if you wanted to. You never have to spend another moment with another human being. You never have to have sex again in your life. Um, you never have to get in a vehicle again in your life. But you can only go so long without food. Food is a necessity unlike very little else. Sleep. Sleep may be the other, the other primary need of the human body and, and water, sleep, water, and food. Um, and so because, because of the role that food plays, um, it's an essential part of, of so many justice questions, of so many social situations, um, and it's implicated in so many of them that people easily kind of make those connections. But rather than, than dealing with the ways in which food intersects in all of those areas, we want to kind of bring it right back to food and helping people deeply think about food and the role that food plays in all of those places, whether we're talking about the affluent or the economically disadvantaged. Okay, can you talk about suppliers and employees for the cafe? Yeah. So, I mean, local is, is going to be an important part of what we're doing because we want to be highly collaborative. So in terms of suppliers, there's lots of great businesses um, that share similar values, um, whether they be grocery stores or people that will be supplying certain ingredients for the menu items. Um, and we're already working um, and uh, setting ourselves up with those relationships and those suppliers so they will be, you know, sort of um, organizations that, that value uh, 
transparency in the food supply chain. Um, they will value, uh, you know, clearly articulated understandings of, 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 of the value behind the ingredients that they're supplying and, and making sure that everybody's being paid adequately and that the, the land on which things are grown is being cared for appropriately. So that becomes a challenge. Um, it's not always straightforward to do that. And it's not always easy to trace every ingredient and to understand how that's all working, but those are the commitments and it's going to be a work in progress to figure that all out. Um, and there will be times where we don't have every answer um, and we will partner to the best of our ability with organizations and suppliers that um, support, you know, our understanding of how important the food system is and, and the fact that we, we can't have these discrepancies. In terms of employees, we'll be an equal opportunity employer, um, and uh, you know we will we will look to people that want to uh, that share our values and and want to connect. Um, but we're not necessarily um, setting out per se again to to target employing those that are traditionally harder to employ. Although I'm very open to that being kind of like. Um, you know, something that we grow into. Uh, so kind of understanding those uh, work training programs. And I, I think that there's a lot of value there. And I think we could end up doing that very well. I don't feel particularly skilled or um, like I'm ready to lead that. And maybe there will be somebody that comes along pretty quickly in, in how this is kind of iterating itself. And we'll be able to establish those work training programs and, and, and helping various people that, that struggle to be employed in various ways, um, whether physically disadvantaged or, um, you know, uh, you know, other barriers to employment. Um, and so we want to be open to that and we will be open to that, but it, it's not a strength of our, of our business plan right now. And it, and it wasn't sort of set in the DNA to to sort of make that baked into what we're doing, to use a pun, but we will and want to, and it's it's sort of there in the language and some of the founding documents that we'll look at that, but it's something that, it's like a stretch goal. It's an aspirational goal that we'll, we'll get to. What about uh, delivery and catering? Yeah, yeah, so um, delivery is not going anywhere in the food service world. So we, we've got some, some plans around addressing that. Um, it's a bit of a challenging thing right now for food service industries. Uh, there's a lot of question and a lot of conversation around, um, you know, how food delivery is going to work. And it seems like the, the food service establishments that are doing the best are handling their deliveries in-house and kind of figuring out a way to make delivery work. But of course, you know, it's, it's become ubiquitous during covid you know, for many people to use Uber Eats and skip the dishes and whatever other food delivery, um, you know, resources are available in your city. And so we will explore those as well. Um, and then, uh, sorry, what was, oh yeah, catering. Yeah, so uh, again, a stretch goal, something we recognize is that we'll be able to provide, um, you know, uh, our menu to to organizations that want to order in and want uh, various events catered. Um, and we think the menu is going to be plenty good enough. And there's a growing demand for plant-based menus. There's a growing demand for sustainable menus, for healthier menus. Um, 
and uh, and for organizations that care deeply about about the food they're serving and about the way that they're serving it um, and to the people they're serving it. So we think catering is is a is an obvious place that this will go, but that's again going to be sort of uh, kind of a second phase part of the planning process. Okay. Or so. ex execu execution process, I should say. It's in there. It's something that we're going to do. We're just not doing it right off the bat. Okay. So looking forward three years from today, what's this cafe going to look like? Is it going to be in several churches in Vancouver or outside of Vancouver? Is it going to be, uh, say, three locations? Is it going to employ uh, 50 people? Looking forward three years from now, what's it going to look like? Yeah. You know, uh, truth be told, those kinds of growth metrics have, uh, have been lower on my priority list, almost kind of barely um, checking any uh, boxes for me. Um, not because I don't have those sort of, I, that I don't have a sense for that. I get, I get how that can work and sort of the, the growth through that mechanism of, of replicating what's happening and, and opening more locations. Instead, I think the metrics that I'm concerned with and, and that I'm more interested in three years from now is, you know, uh, measuring, uh, measuring our ability to advocate and educate people, um, you know, kind of, Locally, we're a local cafe. We want to be deeply connected um, and understand the needs of uh, our community and the people that are around our community and helping them to reconnect with their food, um, to helping them reconnect with one another, to provide that kind of a hub for the community where people can come and connect and, uh, you know, work while also learning about urban agriculture, learning about uh, – you know, sustainable food practices, learning about how to re reduce their food waste um, and connecting with each other as they, they learn about uh, more sustainable uh, agricultural practices. Um, and the culture that knits us all together, you know, one of the things that makes us human and sort of separates us from the animal kingdom a little bit is the fact that we cook. We take ingredients and we pull them together in unique and creative ways. Uh, food, is, food has a, has a transcendent quality to it, and cooking has a transcendent quality to it, where it, it pulls us out of the, just the, the basics of encountering a carrot or a stalk of celery or a spice or seasoning. And we take all of them and we pull them together and we cook with them. Like, here, here's what I tell people all the time about my bread, Peter, is you can take flour and try to consume it or the wheat and try and consume it. And you can take water and you can take salt. And, you know, you, you, would, you would eventually become malnourished. Um, but if you take flour and water and salt with some naturally occurring yeasts and bacteria in the air, and you mix them together and you give them a little bit of time and you eventually cook them at a high temperature, you produce something called bread. And uh, bread is a, is a human endeavor. 
nobody else makes bread. And so there is this deep sense of satisfaction and reconnection with self. And, uh, and bread is something that we do then in community. We break bread together. And that is a deeply humanizing practice to eat and to share and to take the work and labor of our hands and to offer it as a gift back to the world. And so uh, there is this uh, profound sense of reconnection that we're looking for. And so where, where I see the, the cafe three years from now is um, fostering a community of people that have began to eat and drink deeply from the well of a sustainable source. Um, and that is God, uh, the divine, uh, that thing that keeps all of this working together in harmony. And, uh, and at the same time, recognizing the neighbors and the people that they're doing life with, that they share this land with. And, uh, and uh, you know, being able to look and say, you know, here are the people and here are the projects, you know, here are the backyard farms, you know, here are the people that have learned how to bake bread and are hosting dinner parties in their own homes, you know, neighbors that now know one another's names and understand a little bit more, you know, about the world in which we live and how we are going to continue to feed ourselves. Because feeding this planet is no easy task. And doing it in a way that doesn't cause harm is an even harder task. And so... uh, helping us all awaken to the importance of this. Um, You know, those are the things that we're going to measure. How many workshops have we hosted? How many people have come by and are, you know, are now more connected to the community and to the food and and understanding how this is all going to work together. Those are the things that we're going to be measuring. And so, you know, I hope we have a robust community of people that are frequenting the cafe that are now hosting workshops and hosting dinner parties um, within the neighborhood and are feeling, you know, enlivened and reconnected with one another and with the city that they live in and uh, are putting into practice more sustainable, healthier, uh, better ways of eating for themselves, for the planet, and for their families. Okay. So you've given a broad perspective. Hopefully it's more than just you that you, you have a few people working on this. Don't yeah. do it by yourself. Yeah. Build, build your yeah. team. That's what's important. But more, uh, more important, if people want to get more information, I know this is a, a tricky question right now. Yeah. How yeah. Do, I don't mind talking about it. How, yeah. how, do, how do they reach out to you in the cafe? Yeah. So um, we're going to own this domain name for a while, um, but uh, we're actually in the middle of uh, – changing the name for the whole concept in the cafe after some further reflection and, and kind of learning, we, we had a clever name. We had a clever name and we'll, we'll, you can, you can, um, you can link to it wherever your podcast is hosted. Uh, we were calling the cafe project for a long time, the poor and needy um, cafe project spelled P O U R like pour over coffee, like you're pouring a drink and needy as in like kneading bread. Um, you know, K-N-E-A-D-Y. And so that website will be active. Eventually there'll be a new domain name and a new name for the ministry. Um, 
and we're just in the middle of workshopping that and kind of coming up with our our next brand um, and what that'll end up being called. So that's one way to to engage. Uh, poorandneedy.ca is where they can go. Um, and we'll keep that domain name active for a while um, just in case people have come across it or they come across this. And when we do come up with a new name and a new website, I'll be sure to share the information with you, Peter, so that there's, uh, you know, an updated website. Okay. And well. they can also... They can also look for us um, on Instagram that way, or they can just email me at Stephen, spelled S-T-E-V-A-N, at poorneedy.com, and I'd be happy to connect with them as well. Okay, well, thank you. It's, it's interesting to talk about the intersection of sort of business and a community of faith and supporting individuals and supporting sustainability. So thank you, you for it. your time today. And we look forward to the new name and the, the uh, bricks and mortar operation and the measurement of the outcomes of what you're doing, not just the outputs. So thank you for your time today, Stefan. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate being here today.